five, four, three, two, one, raccoon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Now Showing Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Moose, and I'm joined once again by my wonderful co-host, Lewis. Today, we're here to discuss everything, everywhere, all at once, the very, very eagerly anticipated uh, A24 film directed by Daniels um, that has been taking the world by storm, really, and has leaped to the top of letterboxed rankings. I think it's the, now the third highest rated film of all time, formerly the first, uh, and I think it's got a shot upwards in the IMD ratings to ninth of all time. So uh, it's been released in the UK uh, in a lot of independent cinemas and smaller cinemas over the last week, so we're here to talk about it. And also, all the news that's happened this week. Um, some Marvel stuff, uh, can some other stuff, Doctor Who. So, we've got a few things to talk about. And of course, as always, what we've watched. So, what are you doing today, Lewis? How, how are you doing? Not what I'm doing, doing well, thank you. What are you doing on the podcast, I'm assuming? What am I doing on the podcast? No, no, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just, I'm not really up to much. I've not uh, had an eventful week. I went over to, in fact, no, I have had an eventful week. That's a lie. Uh, this weekend, I went over to my, um, to Manchester to, for two reasons. A, it was my niece's birthday. So I went to spend time with the fam and have, celebrate my niece's birthday, have a party and everything. Same day as my niece's birthday, it was Eurovision. And every year, yes. we have a Eurovision party. Every single year, my family has a Eurovision party. We were there last year when we got nil point, nothing. And then this yeah. year, second place. We came second. Well, did we, though? Well, it's... you know, we did come uh, second. Of course. Perhaps we would have won if the world yeah. was in a better place. But yeah. we're happy with second. Last year, we yeah, got we literally had second. Uh, Yeah, of course, you know thoughts and prayers going out to ukraine of course but then it, you know it's it, their song was a bit shit you know it I was i liked the song i was saying i did beforehand i was saying beforehand you know obviously ukraine are gonna win um no matter yeah. what happens but i'm happy that they've because i think it's a good song so i'm happy that they're gonna yeah, win with a, a good song like if they'd have won with just a boring ballad then i would have been a to bit be fair though pissed but they say i love the song it's a great song it's stuck in my head all the time to be fair, to be fair though, I didn't like England's either. So therefore, yeah, you know, I thought it was a bit rubbish as well. But the performance was great, and that's what matters about Eurovision. Eurovision isn't about good music; it's about good Eurovision music. Well, as There's I said, it's like a good we we have decided to Eurovision go more song. European to try and win them over, and it kind of worked very much. You know. Yeah, yeah, but we were um, ecstatic. I mean, every time we were getting twelve points, we were losing our minds. We were all drunk in the hot tub at my mum's. And every single time they said, 12 points, United Kingdom, we we went crazy. And when we found out, when we realized we got second place, we popped a bottle of champagne and started spraying the champagne everywhere at like midnight. It was amazing in my mum's garden. Probably wow, pissing off the neighbors. crazy. We love Eurovision. We love Eurovision in my family. It was, it was silly, um, goofy, crazy. We love Eurovision and it was the best night ever. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. I watched it as well. Um, I think yeah, it's like the 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 people's vote. It was like almost every single country voted twelve points to Ukraine, and the people votes for it. It was like yeah, all but like three hundred. The maximum that you can get was like four hundred and sixty-eight, and I think they got four hundred and thirty-three. So that like, is quite nice to be fair. That's a you know, lot. As much as it hurts a little, it's quite nice. Yeah, and I'm, um, again, I'm happy that they won. And perhaps there's been a lot of speak about the UK hosting because we finished second, and Ukraine might not be able to host. Sadly, um, I'm sure they'll be able to host. 
but um well i hope so because they deserve to be able to host but um part of me does want us to host so that we can go to eurovision <laughs> no country every country was hate it's like the olympics every country like hates having to host it which is, which is fine. i know it, it is but at the same yeah. time i really I think go. britain will be happy with it yeah okay uh enough about eurovision um, yeah this isn't a eurovision podcast sadly well yeah that's our other podcast um <laughs> so uh what have you watched this week I've watched not much, but some of it is is quite significant. Um, I watched uh, recently, it was uh, announced recently that Martin Scorsese's The Film Foundation has decided to restore uh, old classic films for free and publish them on the Film Foundation website for free. And on the second Monday of every month, they're going to be putting a restored film uh, on the Film Foundation to watch for free. All you have to do is sign up and you can watch it. And this month, it was... uh, Emmerich Pressburger and Michael Powell's Powell and Pressburger's I Know Where I'm Going, um, which I'd never heard of this particular motion picture. Um, So I was intrigued to watch it. And it's a really sweet film. It's about this woman who is traveling to an island in Scotland, I think it is, um, to marry. And she gets there and a storm prevents her from getting to the actual island. So she has to spend time with kind of the ordinary folk of this this Scottish town. And it's a really romantic, sweet little story. And I really enjoyed watching it. It was um, a lot of fun. It's not quite um, like a perfect masterpiece. The, the Scottish accents are very dodgy at times. Some of them sound a bit more Italian. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's got gorgeous cinematography as well. And it's got such... For like the, for like the 1940s, this was from 1945, it's got such like naturalistic acting um it really does it's amazing like um wendy hiller who is the protagonist she plays the protagonist joan her performance is so like real and just it feels so natural it doesn't feel like something from the 40s it feels like a very um modern performance because of course like acting styles change throughout the years and this feels very modern um but very timeless and lost in time as well um, and I really enjoyed it. It was a really, really sweet film, and I definitely recommend it. Um, on the other scale, on the other side of the scale, I, the, as as I think I mentioned this before, um, cinemas across the UK, Odeon, I don't know if other cinemas are, are doing a Paul Verhoeven season, um, and every week they're playing a new Paul Verhoeven film. And last week it was Showgirls, the famous or infamous uh, Paul Verhoeven film about Las Vegas showgirls and strippers and dancers and stuff. And it's one of those films where it is so bad, it's awful, that it's kind of become a cult classic. Um, Like you'll meet someone and they'll say, this is the worst film I've ever seen. And then you'll meet someone else and they'll say, this is the best film I've ever seen. I love it. It's It's perfect. And you you get it on both sides. It's so unhinged. It's absolutely crazy. And personally, I loved it. It is awful, but it's awful in all of the best ways. It's got some. It's got some really bad scenes that really just shouldn't have been in there. That feel really exploitative. Um, but most of it, it's just fun. Like it's just insane fun, and it's silly and camp and goofy, and you know, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I can see why it's become a cult classic. Um, it it is insane, and the sex scenes as well. I I said when I watched Basic Instinct that nobody directs sex scenes like Paul Verhoeven. The same is true of Showgirls. The famous sex scene in the pool, genuinely, is you know 
a, even crazier than the Lady Gaga sex scene in House of Gucci. It's honestly, it's crazy. It's it's amazing, and I, I that is something I definitely recommend people watch because it's just so awful in the best way. And watching it in the cinema was just so much fun. I absolutely loved it. And then the last thing that I've watched this week as part of my ongoing James Bond series that I'm watching them every week at, at the cinema, it was, um, I think it's Sean Connery's last James Bond film, last official James Bond film. I know he came back for uh, Never Say Never Again in the 70s, but or maybe it was the 80s even. But anyway, um, for his last official James Bond film with Eon, uh, You Only Live Twice. And You Only Live Twice is kind of like peak space age spy cold war spy as as like you know russia versus america racing in space and that sort of stuff um and james bond's at the center of it and it's a lot of fun it's a lot like the other sean connery ones it's it's camp it's over the top it's silly um and it is kind of laughable at times this one also weirdly more very noticeably 1960s than the others there is a scene where he for no reason whatsoever, is in yellow face. He changes his eyes to look like an Asian man, and he puts a wig on to look like an Asian man, and wears Asian clothes. And it is it is quite racist, explicitly racist. Um, right. So everyone in the cinema kind of cringed at that point, and it was like, oh, this is very nineteen sixty seven. But other than that, it, it flows quite well. It's got a, a, the classic finale where it's breaking into the villain's lair and defeating their army. Uh, and this is also the first official appearance of Blofeld as well. Um, he kind of gets teased in the other ones, but this is the one where he officially shows up and creates the, uh, officially, you know, canonizes the iconography of the villain bald head in the scar over the eye with the white cat. Um, you know, this is the film that gave the world that. And um, right. I kind of love it in those ways. I, I, you know, I have an affinity for James Bond, as we've discussed many times, and this is, it's it's just like the others. I love it. It's great. Um, is it as that same character that Christoph Waltz plays? Uh, yes, yeah. and Stavros Blofeld. Yeah, Stavros. Right. Yeah. So th- that's what I've seen. What have you? What have you been up to? What have you seen? Okay, I've actually not been watching that much this week. Uh, so unlike last week, uh, you know, I had so much to talk about. I've only really got one thing. Uh, I've still been involved in the the new Frex Extremity. So last week I went into details of what that was. Uh, if you missed it, you know, it's a a, a highly provocative, you know, often visually extreme cinema uh, that came out in France in the late 90s and 2000s um, that often, you know, whilst it, it may deal in excesses of blood and, and unsimulated sex, uh, it often is, uh, you know, very deep, uh, steeped in allegory. Uh, and, you know, the whole key thing, I think, when you talk about these films is that these are films that are violent and films that are not about violence. Um, you know, right. You know, rather some people thinking this is just, um, you know, people say torture porn. I think that's unfair. Um, but I mean, obviously last week I talked a bit about how my interest in them. Um, uh, to, this is the James Quant, uh, the, the writer coined the phrase, the new French extremity in a, a kind of an insulting way. It's, it was meant as an, you know, he, he was not, he was a hater of it. Uh, and he described the new French extremity as cinema suddenly determined to break every taboo to wade in the in rivers of viscera and spumes of sperm to fill each frame with flesh, nubile or gnarled and subject it to all manner of penetration, mutilation and defilement. So, um, 
that's one of the the many uh, attractive pool quotes of uh, of the uh, of the new Felix extremity, and then, you know he, he goes off on quite a long one there. I started to attend a course in the new Felix extremity last week. Uh, rather than going to see films, I've been to a couple different sessions. Uh, that you know in in the BFI, uh, you know, looking into the the history and the reasons behind these films and and the the themes and the the current links because it's not really a movement um it's more of a moment you know there's nothing like thematically or narratively linking these films it's just like this is a kind of uh way that people were thinking at the time so yeah last week i went to one that was about the origins looking at kind of the the pre-cinematic macabre uh and then this week it was about the art house uh, subgenre, which kind of the first wave of New French Extremity, which is a lot of the films I talked about last week, uh, especially things like romance, uh, and I would argue Trouble Every Day, though some people call it a horror film, I, I wouldn't, uh, Baze Moir, uh, In My Skin, so yeah, so very, uh, or Baze Moir, sorry, uh, so yeah, that, that was very interesting, uh, aside from that, I did see one film, which was, it, it's kind of, it's in part of the BFI's New French Extremity season, uh, it's the, not usually links to it it's occasionally linked to it because it isn't particularly extreme it does kind of have the same sense of humor as a lot of those films which is the 19 was well, probably the funniest one i'll see but it's the 1992 film man bites dog which is a bit of a cult film these days directed by benoit Poulvord, uh remy belval and andre bronzel uh now it's black and white so it's not particularly new uh, it's not particularly extreme. You see blood, but in the same way that you would in any action film, you know, it's, this is very, this would be extremely Lewis friendly. This is completely fine. Uh, so it's not particularly new. It's not particularly extreme, and it certainly isn't French. It's Belgian, uh, but for some reason, I could kind of see how it fits in. But it's yeah, it's Man Bites Dog is a black comedy about a a serial killer um, who is being followed in mockumentary. It's a, a mockumentary play comedy where a, a serial killer is being followed by a, a, a team um, who, are, who are kind of chronicling his, his every day and, you know, just going out and just shoots a postman for no reason. Next day he goes and he shoots that woman, steals her money. You know, with this kind of, he's just a, a serial killer. Uh, and then as time goes on, the crew start to get involved. Um Ultimately, you know, I think that it started off well. I appreciate some of the satire that I thought was a little on the nose. Uh, I can see why people love it, but, you know, it feels very, very student film in a way that I didn't particularly enjoy. Um, and ultimately, I just didn't think it was funny enough. Uh, I can see, it's, you know, it's, it seems very loved by the people that watch it, saying it's a big cult film. Uh, it's in, like, the Thousand One Films, Thoughts Should Die, and all that. Um, but it wasn't really for me. So so I would have to give that one that, you know, it was just, it was okay. I thought it was fine. So that was Man Bites Dog. Uh, apologies, by the way, if I sound a little bit down today because of uh, I've got a plot nose. So I'm I'm talking a bit more nasally, uh, a little bit more plummy than usual. I also did attend something else, which is I, I attended a, a Q&A with the director, Gaspar Noé, who, you know, is pretty famous in the world of New French Extremity. He's one of the defining filmmakers of the New French Extremity, directing things like Irreversible, I Stand Alone, Climax, um, you know, End of the Void, more and more. Recently released film Vortex, of course. Uh, and after, I, I unfortunately couldn't make screening of Vortex yet, but I did manage to make the Q&A. And he's a very interesting filmmaker. He says a lot of very provocative things, and he, he was very funny, actually. Um, but the highlight of the, the, the talk, you know, was... After the talk had ended, um, 
they asked for audience questions. And there'd been a guy that was kind of like gently heckling the crowd. Like, not heckling, it was all positive, but he was like kind of shouting out during it. Like, um, Gaspar mentioned something about, uh, like he had his one of his first, his first, uh, short film was, was being screened at the VFI this week along with his friend's short film. And then the guy, some guy in the back was like, woo, that's lit, that's lit. And I was like, mm, that's a bit weird. And, uh, and then the, when the opinion, when the time for, for questions to come down, some fella, um, kind of Italian looking fella with a, a leather jacket on, kind of stumbled out of his, his aisle, uh, went down to the mic and, just and they were like, okay. He, he, she was like explaining the system, and he kind of cut over her, like the, the moderator that is. And then this guy cut over and was like, "Can I ask a question?" She was like, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead." And then he was like, "Oh, it's just like a like a great honor to be here." And he started just like spouting nonsense for a minute, and then he started rapping on the mic. What the fuck? He was just like, that "Is not where I thought this was going." And it, it, and he was just like, and it wasn't like anything about it. He was like properly. He literally went to the line on the mic, and everyone was just like, <laughs> "What the fuck is going on?" And then we were like, and he just like went a little rap, and then and then Anna what's guy who was doing the, the moderation was like, uh, "Yeah, you kind of lost your time, mate." And then it moved over to someone else who asked a question, like a proper question about like music. And he came back and he uh, he cut up when they finished. He was like kind of said something in response to her, like the guy on the mic, and he was still there on the other side of the other mic. And then they're like, kind of, oh, you've used your chance, mate. And she was like, oh, he was like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, can I just you know carry on? And she was like, oh, get it out quickly, kind of thing. And he was like, you're like the eleventh letter of the alphabet. You just don't stop. And he was like, and then he just started spouting some more nonsense. And then she he was like, she was like, oh, and he was like, oh, I'm just a massive fan of the way that you like delve into the the brain or the way that you look at it, it was, he, he was just saying some stupid shit and then I guess this guy was like there's not a question there and he was like can I ask a question can I ask a question and I was like yeah 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 and then instead of asking a question he went I'm here with my boy Tricky or something I'm here with my boy you know he said some name and he went he's over there and pointed to the other side and said stand up stand up for me stand up for me and then no one stood up and then he was like we're out here 18 hours a day for nothing. We're out here 18 hours a day. And they were like, okay, can you leave, please? Um, so, yeah, I just thought I'd tell that story. That's uh, Because I was quite shook. Yeah, it was quite strange. But I think, to be fair, Gaspardelli's films are, are very kind of drug-focused. So I wonder if that kind of attracts a particular audience of people that are kind of out there. Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps. That does sound yeah, that like, was, a, like, a, like a very fun event. <laughs> If yeah, it was really weird. It was like, I was just I, I barely saw it because I was sitting there cringing so hard because it was just like oh my god, somebody's <laughs> rapping on the mic at the gas, but no AQ and A. <laughs> but you know, life goes on. Okay, uh, let's move on to the news, shall we? Uh, and there's let's. been quite a lot of kind of variation in different news. Uh, we'll start off with a follow-up from last week. So it's particularly close to me. Because uh, we talked about last week about how Chuty Gatwa was the has been announced as the new Doctor Who. Um, we did. <laughs> Moving on to something that was quite close to my heart, we kind of talked about it last week um, because we talked about how Chuty Gatwa was the new Doctor Who. Well, we've got more Doctor Who news this week uh, as it's been confirmed that David Tennant and Catherine Tate 
are returning to guest star on Doctor Who. Apparently, it seems to be the rumours are that they're going to do three specials uh, in, in Doctor Who returning in the gap between Jodie Whittaker leaving and Chutie Gatwood joining. So, Chutie Gatwood won't take over, take over straight away. I think some people have seemed to see this uh, for the Doctor Who fan base of kind of trying to jump the shark. Uh, but I think the Doctor Who needs a big kind of uh, media revival because it's kind of been sinking under for a while. So even if it does kind of do a little bit of that jumping the shark, I think it's worth it in the long run because I'd like to see Doctor Who kind of back to the kind of uh, heights that it was in even like 2006, 2007, where it was kind of, you know, had its own islets or whatever. Um, yeah, so that would happen. That's, uh, that's interesting. And also announced is Heartstopper's Yasmin Finney has been announced as a new character called Rose. It's the assumption was that she'd perhaps be uh, the new a new companion. It's been misreported that she was, she's playing Rose Tyler. I don't believe that is true. I believe it's just been announced that she's going to be Rose. Um, but I, I think that the rumour seems to be that that's going to be Catherine Tate's child. Her character's child is going to be Yasmin Finney, who I haven't seen Heartstopper. You've seen Heartstopper. Yasmin Finney, thoughts? Yeah, she was pretty good. Um, she wasn't anything exceptional, but um, she was decent, and I feel like she'll do well. Yeah, um, Yasmin Finney is, is trans, which I think is worth mentioning because it would be, I believe, the first... Uh, I, I was going to say main character, but I feel like it's probably the first character, full stop, uh, trans yeah. trans actor to be in, in Doctor Who ever. So, alongside Chutiyato being the first black main Doctor, you know, it's, it's obviously there. They are, you know, it's it's, it's good because of uh, it said last week. You've got you know obviously very capable actors, but also to have the bonus of of representation, it's it's yeah. always a, a positive thing. It's always things that we can uh, we can accept her. We can we can be excited for. So. That's uh, that. Uh, so yeah, more Doctor Who news, and uh, I didn't think I'd be talking so much about Doctor Who, but they really are going for the headlines right now. So uh, I think you have some stuff that you want to talk about about some sort of Disney event. There was some convention or something. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but it was like something where lots of studios announced a lot of stuff. Um, so yeah, great there, journalism. I know. Yeah, <laughs> some studios announced some stuff. But um, one of the things that has been announced since was that Pixar's next film uh, is called Elemental. Uh, what if Elements had feelings? Yeah, pretty much. It's like uh, it's live in a city where all of the elements live together, um, which, you know, sounds intriguing, I guess. Um, a few other things that were announced is this, this. There was a big Star Wars feature in Vanity Fair and there was a lot of news in that as well. Not sure if you've read it, but it's uh, full of no, juicy stuff. stuff. Uh, John Watts is confirmed to developing a Star Wars film, um, or series, sorry, that's set after Return of the Jedi. Um, and right. It's, it's described by Lucasfilm as a galactic version of classic coming-of-age adventure films of the 1980s, which is, wow. you know, strange. Um, and the Space Stem Army. <laughs> yeah, and the the White Whale, as it were, Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy, is confirmed. It's still in the works. Uh, it's not been cancelled. It's still in the works. It's just on the back burner because of Knives Out and, and Netflix. Um, right. Speaking of Knives Out and Netflix, Knives Out 2, Netflix have announced that they are considering giving Knives Out 2 a theatrical release of 45 days, which I believe is the length of time 
required for chain cinemas to show it as well because it kind of independent cinemas show netflix originals because they all most of them get cinema uh, theatrical releases um but they don't get released in chain cinemas because you have to have a certain uh, theatrical exclusive period and i think it's 45 days so i think netflix this is kind of a new era for netflix if they do go with it where they're going to be releasing their big films in cinemas and then hitting netflix rather than just you know the indie cinemas they'll be everywhere which is kind of a good thing but it's also a bad thing for indie cinemas um i kind of i like going to the indie cinemas to watch netflix originals like home in manchester or places like Picture House or Everyman, I quite like going there. It feels like more of an event than just nipping to the audience to see something. Um, but it is good because it means more people will see, we'll see uh, films too, like yeah. Power of the Dog or, or Knives Out 2 or stuff like that. Um, yeah. Some other news, Doctor Strange has passed $700 million at the box office. Uh, but the biggest piece of news that I wanted to talk about came from the Star Wars Vanity Fair feature. And it's something that Kathleen Kennedy said. About right, yeah, I was actually going to bring Solo. this up. Yeah. So Kathleen Kennedy said that they learned the the thing that they learned from the failure of Solo. So Solo was a box office failure. It it flopped basically, and the thing that they learned from that is that they cannot recast characters from the original trilogy, which is absurd. So basically, yeah. what they're saying is they either have to do the CGI deepfake Luke Skywalker from the Mandalorian with an AI voice. Or they have to never revisit these characters ever again in any capacity. And both of those things are bad. The worst It's the worst possible lesson to take away from Solo is that you shouldn't have recast Han Solo. You know, oh, the exact really, quote think... that she said is that it's so abundantly clear that we can't recast characters, which is insane. The thing is, like, ultimately... Regardless of the quality of Solo, I don't think that matters necessarily in terms of why it's a failure. If they released Solo in 2014 or 2012, it would have been absolutely massive. The reason yeah. why is because they'd released like seven Star Wars films in like two years. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, obviously there are things that could make it stand out more. And I think, like, if they had made it a comedy, I think it would have done better. But I, I think that, yeah, that's a strange point to make, especially... When that film has Childish Gambino playing um, Lando Carizian, yeah. who you know I think is one of the best moves that the Star Wars have made since Disney took over to to give him that role because I think he's excellent. Yeah, agreed. And and they have Obi Wan, the new series dropping in a few weeks, which features a recast character from the original series. Um, one of the best recasts that everyone loves. Everyone loves Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi, and like. Why yeah. I don't understand why they have this attitude all of a sudden that we we cannot touch original trilogy characters. It's uh, it's really crazy. Yeah, and it and it features Joel Egerton as uh, yeah, as whatever Uncle Luke's Owen. uncle's called, Mark or whatever, Owen. Yeah, Owen. Yeah. Uh, so that's another recast as well. Yeah, it's crazy. And the final bit of news that I have, I don't know if you have any more, is the She-Hulk trailer came out. Yeah. We got the the trailer for Marvel's latest, well, next, after Miss Marvel, next uh, Disney Plus show, uh, which is now called She-Hulk Attorney at Law. It's got a new name and a new logo. It's called She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And I'm going to talk about the trailer briefly, and I'm going to ignore the elephant in the room. Um, and I'm just going to say the trailer actually looks really intriguing. I really, you know, I've said a lot this year that I'm bored of Marvel. And I don't really care about what they're doing. 
Um, this has got me intrigued more than anything that Marvel have done in a while. I think it looks really fun. Uh, it looks like just an ordinary story. It doesn't seem to be, you know, super villains and superheroes. It just seems to be a nice little uh, compact story. And and I'm in, I'm intrigued about it. And I love her. I can't remember her name. It's Ta- Tatiana something. Um, Miss Lady. Yes, her, that Maslini, who is uh, who is in um, Orphan Black, who is excellent in that, and I, she's always excellent. She's a fantastic actress, and I can't wait to see what she does with the role. Um, what What did you think about the trailer itself, ignoring the elephant in the room? Yeah, I think it looked fun. Like the idea of doing a legal drama, uh, you know, is good. I think that realistically, uh, it probably will get a little bit bogged down in in superhero stuff towards the end it, i usually do um yeah. i'm sure it will you know because obviously uh, tim roth's abominations in it so it's going to be kind of throwing a few things in there from from the mcu the wider mcu wong's in it which is obviously great yeah. um wong yeah I read. Know, it looks fine like, I've, I've been excited for a long time for the for the legal grammar drama comedy stuff you know that, that's what attracted me to shoot Hulk when it first got announced a few years ago so oh, i'm looking forward to it yeah and i also read that wong benedict wong who plays Wong. i just said that yeah, I know. This, I'm saying something else as well. You just said he's oh. in She-Hulk, which means he's now one appearance away from being in more appearances than Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. That, really? That is amazing. That is something I look forward to. We love Wong. We do, yeah. However, there is one big elephant in the in the trailer for She-Hulk. And that yeah, it, of course. It, it features some of the worst cgi i've ever seen in a mainstream major blockbuster piece of media is <laughs> so bad yeah it looks yeah. it kind yeah. of circles it around awful. it's not like that i thought the cgi in moon knight was pretty bad like the suit in moon knight i thought that was pretty bad but it was just was bad really so it was quite annoying but the cgi she hulk is so bad that it circles around and it's just funny like i hope they don't fix it because it's just funny it's genuinely horrific, and I, I love how bad it is. It's honestly, she looks like a Sims character. It's dreadful. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very much sure that it will not look anything like that when it comes out. You know, I'm sure this is just them still working with the CG Sonic style. But I, uh, yeah, it does not look good, especially when you compare it to like the Hulk CGI in, in the new in the Marvel films, which is generally pretty damn good. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's what I mean, like, they're going to fix it a little bit. They're going to fix it so much where it won't look good. It just won't look as bad as it does now. And I hope that they don't, because at least now it's funny. Yeah, I'm sure they I'm sure they can do something good. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, they're making another series of Black Mirror as well. Um, oh, yeah. So I'll just add that in there. So um, the last thing to talk about is that Can started. Um, now... The thing is, is that everyone seems to get excited for Can, and I don't really get why. Everyone gets excited for for the opening of Can each year, and this year Vincent Lin is on the jury, and all these people are on the red carpet. But we can't see the films, so why do people I care? I mean, we're going to get a, a little bit of reaction from about ten pretentious critics, <laughs> but um, but yeah, Can started, so you know, yeah. big day for annoying people. <laughs> it's um, true though. I do like Can, but um. I do get your point. Like, I just like it because it's like all the pomp of oh, all these new films, these reactions, these new films. And also Viggo Mortensen said that um, Tatan is rubbish, which is really funny. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did see that. But, there, you know, on, on a positive day, there was an awful lot of uh, 
highly you know prestigious directors that are producing films that you know there is reason to be excited for when they do come out. Uh, Kirikazu Koreeda's got a film coming out called Broker, uh, starring uh, Song Kang Ho. Uh, David Cronenberg's obviously got Crimes of the Future with with Vigo and uh, Christian Stewart and Leah Seydoux. Uh, Park Chan Wook's got a film coming out. So does Kelly Reinhardt. Still does Claire Denis. Um, you know, so even Riley Keough's got a film coming out. So um, her, her her directorial debut. So oh yeah. Yeah, George Miller, Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, I mean, it's going to oh, be... Yeah, Elvis is at Cannes. Elvis is at Cannes. I have heard nothing but very positive stuff about Elvis. It's, apparently, it's, it seems like it's supposed to be really good. I have heard the same. I've I've heard that Austin Butler, people are saying, if he doesn't get the Oscar, then it's crazy, which yeah. is making me nervous. <laughs> They're also the films that they're putting on screenings of, not restorations, because restorations are made loads of things that can every year, because that's like part of the thing is they can restore stuff. But the films that they just uh, like show, just because it's like you know for like the event of it, they are showing The Godfather, E.T., The Truman Show, uh, This Is Spinal Tap, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, East West, A Monkey in Winter, Strictly Ballroom. And the last picture show. That's exciting for the people that can. Yeah, for people that can. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine watching The Godfather on the big screen. <laughs> okay, um, that was all the news, uh, except for the everything ever all at once IDB record rating, which is probably not worth talking about until we start talking about everything ever all at once. Yeah. So, so again, I'm a bit under the weather, so. I'm I'm struggling a little bit to get all my thoughts out. I'm struggling a little bit to talk, so uh, I am going to let you take the wheel here after that I do my fair. intro, and uh, and I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on you. So today we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once, which is a title that I've got around a hundred uh, times. I keep saying everywhere, <laughs> everything, all at once. I keep saying everything, everywhere, all at the time, at the same time, all this stuff, but everything, everywhere, all at once. Is a comedy drama kind of with yeah. uh, with action. with action, yeah, action comedy drama. It's got elements of sci-fi in it. It's even got elements of kind of horror at some points. It's a multiversal kind of mindfuck, uh, directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Shiner, who are referred to as Daniels as a kind of their creative pairing. They also did Swiss Army Man. Uh, which was particularly well, uh, rec- uh, well, actually particularly mixed receive. I think a lot of people appreciate the kind of uh, zany side of it. And stars a cast that includes Michelle Yeoh, Ki Hai Kwan, uh, in his return to the big screen after a few years away, and also uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, as well as others. So, um, this is I want to try and give a vague description of what everything everywhere all at once is, which is not easy to do. Um, so, the film follows Michelle Yeoh's Evelyn, who is a Chinese American woman who runs a laundrette uh, in America, uh, who is kind of getting having problems in her private life. She's worried because her Taxes are being audited at the same time. Her father has come to to America for the first time from China, 
Um, and he's kind of, she's kind of worried about keeping him happy whilst also trying to keep away from him the knowledge that her daughter is a lesbian. Uh, whilst dealing with that, she's also kind of dealing with the prospect of a possible, you know, divorce with her husband. Things aren't going particularly well with him. Um, and whilst that starts to happen, while she's dealing with her taxes, she's taken by a multiversal, uh, different version of her, her husband who kind of teleports into to her husband and says, you know, the fate of the entire universe is, is in your hands. We need you to, to help defeat to- Jobu Tabaki, Tabaki, Jobu Tabaki, um, and she could use the powers of these other universes to to hop into other versions of what her life could have been and take their skills. She kind of jumps into a gymnast, gets the ability to jump. She gets into some of the she can do kung fu, gets the ability to do kung fu, and so on and so forth. And she journeys through the multiverse. She journeys through different universes, trying to uh, stop this existential threat. Now, of course, the most uh, notable thing about this film, as is the, of course, we mentioned multiple times today and on different podcasts is the critical reception this film has been receiving uh this film is currently rated 4.6 on letterbox making it the third all-time highest rated film only beaten out by parasite and come and see and it's, it's jumped up to i think an 8.8 on uh on idb meaning that it's the i think ninth highest rated film of all time uh it was kind of it's been fighting with um Doctor Strange when it comes to uh, the person of our gross. It's been doing particularly well in the theatres that it's been showing in America and it's been released in England over the last week. Um, so it's again another multiversal film but obviously very different films but um, kind of having that common theme. Uh, so do you agree with the, the, the largely very positive reaction or are you... What, what did you think of everything, everywhere, all at once? Well... I think we mentioned it when we first found out about this film uh, and that is the critical reception and I was like I've heard that this is the best thing ever it's changing cinema forever and I decided that I'm just not going to buy into the hype because I didn't want to get disappointed in any way I didn't want to go in expecting uh, you know a masterpiece that is changing the course of cinema I just wanted to go in not really knowing anything so I didn't read anything about it and it was actually on an episode of the podcast where I even found out it was a film about the multiverse I had no idea what it was about um, I'd seen the trailer once or twice uh, at the cinema it played before a couple of films um, and I really had no idea what to expect going into it um, and then I watched it and it was magnificent i adored it it is amazing it does deserve the critical hype that it's getting i'm glad that i didn't buy into the hype because a lot of the things i've seen people say saying things like what i just said where it's changing cinema no one you know this is the best thing ever made i don't think it's the best thing ever made i don't think that it's changing cinema or filmmaking forever um but i still fucking love it a lot this is it's so creative and so imaginative and just amazing i think michelle yo gives one of the best performances i've seen this year so far um and probably one of the best drama comedy performances uh, i've seen in recent memory I, I and action performances as well she's an, an amazing action star in this um well she is anyway she's michelle yo but you know um bringing the action and the comedy and the drama and the emotion to it um she did such an excellent job and so did so did stephanie sue who who played joy uh, her daughter, Michelle Yeoh's daughter, uh, Evelyn's daughter, 
Um, she did an amazing job at this and everyone did in this. Every All of the performances are amazing and really heartfelt and emotional. Um, and Daniels did an unbelievable job of crafting this story that is so crazy and out there but it's so personal as well like you know I, I, re- I heard about this film that it was a multiverse film and I was like okay this is going to be insane um, and then I realized it's all set in one building you know it all takes place in one one building over the course of just a few hours it, it's it's so small and 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 personal in scale and yet it's so off the off the hinges it's crazy off the rails um and i i really i I can't think of a single complaint i think the cinematography is excellent this is one of the few films that really takes advantages uh takes advantage of having changing aspect ratios um and i was talking to you about it because i saw it in imax and I couldn't tell if it was 1.9 IMAX or 1.85, and it is in 1.85, and it switches between 1.85 and 2.39, and it's it takes such amazing advantage of that. It, it, it's really amazing. Most of the film is in 1.85, and then for the action sequences, normally in the action sequences, you open up the aspect ratio. You think of you know Marvel films, the aspect ratio gets bigger and opens up for the big fight sequences. In this, it gets smaller and it gets wider um like it gets to, to feel more cinematic so the fight scenes feel cinematic they don't feel like they're taking place on earth you know the 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 normal world we're in is in 1.85 and that feels natural that just feels normal and then when we enter the multiverse or when something exciting happens the aspect ratio widens and you get 2.35 or 2.39 whichever one it is i can't remember um and it feels so wonderful and it looks gorgeous as well. They really do take advantage of that more than I've ever seen a film take advantage of of changing aspect ratios in that way. Uh, and it's not in the way that you'd expect either. Like I say, getting a, you know shorter for action sequences is, is really innovative and it felt fantastic. The choreography as well is amazing. Um, the VFX are great. There isn't actually that much VFX in this film, um, but I did find out that... Um, the VFX of this film were done by nine people, uh, including the two directors, yeah. and none of them went to school for visual effects. They just taught themselves how to do it using like YouTube tutorials, which is insane because it really yeah. is flawless VFX. Um, it, it, it's done really, really well. And um, I, I love the worlds that they took us into. Um, you know, all of the different versions of Evelyn, where she's a chef, she's a movie star. In the movie star, they obviously they used footage of Michelle Yeoh at her actual film premieres, and the scenes in the alleyway. Um, I'm pretty sure you've not seen in the mood for love, but they were really evocative of of in the mood yeah, for yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. And um, I actually read that that was intentional because I remember watching it and thinking this. Yeah, is I picked up on that. I big it. one I called seen Why vibes. I was like, yeah, this is obviously one called Why. Yeah, and I was like, big one Kawhi vibes. And then I, I, I read that it was actually intentional. It was in, meant to uh, to feel like in the mood for love. And it, it yeah. was done really, really well. Uh, it really did feel that way. And the the like you say, it is a big action film with lots of multiversal themes diving into different universes. But then in these different multiverses, in these different universes, there's so much heart and so much emotion in the scenes as well. The scenes that are inspired by in the mood for love it's just it's it's Evelyn and and uh, and her husband Waymond, who is um you know they're just sat in an alleyway talking and it's about their relationship and it's about what could have been, and it's such a well written scene and such a well performed scene that uh, that Michelle Yeoh and and Kei Hoi Kwan really deserve some props for that, 
And I do, obviously we can't talk about spoilers or we're not talking about spoilers, but the the scene with the rocks um, yeah. Yeah, is yeah. one of the best scenes of the year. It's absolutely fantastic. And to say that it is just two rocks stationary, like it could be a photograph, there's no movement. It's just two rocks stationary with subtitles popping up. And the, the cinema screen where I was, it was sold out. It was the IMAX screen, so it was full, you know, 100 plus people. Um, and everyone was laughing and you could hear the sniffles of the, the emotional scenes. And I just, I really loved this film. I absolutely adored it. I, I can't think of a complaint. I think it's really, really well done. And overall, I'm just glad I didn't buy into the hype because if I, I think if I bought into the hype, I would have gone in expecting, you know, a, a life-changing experience. And ultimately, it wasn't a life-changing experience. I don't think it's the third best film ever made like Letterboxd seems to. Um, but it's still, it's a, it's an amazing masterpiece. And I just, I loved watching it, sitting back and just having a laugh, but also connecting with the characters emotionally and really connecting with the story and wanting to, to for these characters to sort their lives out um, and, and sort the story out that's happening to them. And I think Jimmy Lee Curtis is great as well. And, you know, there are yeah. so many things in this film. It is called Everything Everywhere All at Once. And at times it does feel like that where I keep thinking of things that I want to talk about, but if, if we did that, then we'd just be here all day. Um, there are yeah. so many small jokes that, you know, might go over the heads of many people um, because they're just kind of passing moments and then they'll come back half an hour later and then they'll, they'll make sense and people who didn't get it the first time, the penny will drop the second time. And um, it, it's, it's just excellent and I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. And... Um, if you go and see one multiversal film this month in the cinema, make it everything everywhere all yeah, at once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I loved everything everywhere all at once. Uh, Let's go. I'll, 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 uh, I'll throw it up there. Um, yeah, I saw this on, on last Friday uh, at the Prince Charles Cinema, and it was absolutely packed. I mean, like every seat. And... I don't think I've ever been to a, a film with the atmosphere just like it because I think while I've been in cinema screens that are completely packed to people that do love film, um, I don't think I've ever had one that has kind of been, I guess in stylistically, that has been kind of so emotional in so many ways that you really felt the, the crowd so much that everybody was pissed themselves. And it, it's it's a lot of things, but I think it's funny. It's so funny. That's one of the things. Is it's, it's, yeah. it's actually probably more of a comedy than it is anything else because it, it's just so many moments of comedy. Oh, yeah. um, and and but then also, of course, there are some emotional things. I teared up, you know, at the end. There, there's a scene there that's towards the end that, I, that I, I, I teared up. And I think that, you know, it was actually one of the best cinema experiences I had just because of how much kind of everyone was all in and invested on in the film. But yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's the it's this it's this massive scale, and I think actually, you know, I talked about last week about how I love you know that I I'm kind of you know film is a biased art, but I, you know I'm biased towards multiverse because I love all the universe and stuff, and I talked about Doctor Strange, and you know Doctor Strange I thought was good, I thought Doctor Strange was very good, but to have this well you know it had that re-expression of so many different universes, so many different little realities. Um, jumping between them was wonderful and it created this amazing sense of this just enormity of just like it, it truly felt infinitely big at points you know in literally everything everywhere um but despite this the whole story is almost irrelevant to the fact that this can all be told through the actual plight of of actual humans you know that the, there is one kind of overarching plot 
that's just set in normal reality that perhaps you know can it, it is told and makes sense without any other multiverse multiversal madness you know <laughs> yeah uh it almost just enhances it. It's just a storytelling technique. And I think that's the thing. That's what makes this film so good is that it has all these wacky VFX and it has all these wacky universes and you've got a universe where everyone has hot dogs for fingers and you have a universe where people are rock, all these things. Um, but ultimately, it's a story of a family. It's a story of acceptance. It's a film a story of struggle. And I think that's what makes it try to link to so many people. That it has this, whilst it might kind of you know blow the whole planet up showing it it has a very grounded story and i think that you know it connected with a lot of people it connected with me but yeah it was it was hilarious you know there's this this ongoing bit about how to to access your abilities from another reality you have yeah. to do something random something that you know multiversely you couldn't predict so you just ran and you got to go like lick a stapler or something or you know and it, one of them very early on she has to confess confess her love to to her uh, her tax uh, like uh, the IRS woman. She has to confess her love to her. But you know, it's, it's a hilarious moment. There's loads of little elements of of this of, of that kind of sense of humor throughout the film. I mean, sometimes I thought it was a little childish, but you know, that's just me being an old old miserable man. Um, but it is wonderful. I mean, Michelle Yeoh, you know, she's she's of course a legend uh, in cinema, uh, both you know in America and in Asia. And I think she's absolutely wonderful here. I think this is one of the best performances of the year. Uh, as is, you know, I think it's a story about uh, Ki Hai Kwan, who uh, who was kind of, uh, you know, most famous for for being short round in, in Indiana Jones and 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 Data in the Goonies. Um, the story is, you know, that he he kind of retired years ago because he didn't think any parts for Asian people and then when watching Crazy Rich Asians she uh she decided he decided uh you know I think there actually rolls for me which is funny because Michelle Yeoh's in it and I don't know if you, re- you picked it up but there is a reference to Crazy Rich Asians in the film did you pick that up yeah I did pick that up yeah I saw it yeah that was nice uh so the, you know that kind of showed him that there is roles and then he came back to acting and then he he's said he's great and he plays a lot of very different characters yeah uh he really juggles a lot which michelle yo never really has to do because she's kind of always herself but yeah. um Kwan really juggles an awful lot of really different really interesting characters uh, that's just a few members as uh, stephanie who who's a place at the door as well but yeah i mean it looks beautiful i mean that's one thing every Every single multiverse, every single universe is so unique in its color grading and its look and its feel and its soundtrack and everything. I think it creates this real wonderful sense of scale. Uh, and yeah, I think it's fun and it's it's sad and it's emotional and it's well made and I, I love it. So I'm a big, big fan of everything ever all at once. That's great. I'm glad we agree on, on everything ever all at once. I was worried that you were going to hate it or something. Is there anything else to say? I mean, it's got it's got a, a kind of uh, vague chapter structure, which is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, and um, it just all of it's very interesting. I, 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 my advice for you watching this is just go in blind, just go yeah. in not knowing anything, not expecting anything, and you know your your week will be made. It's a it's a great watch. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, I think that's pretty much everything. So, should we go on to our, uh, our, our kind of post post uh, discussion and, and talk about ratings and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to do that. Ten, so ten. Probably going to be one of the best films of the year. I think. I think it deserves the praise it's getting. 
Yeah, me too. Ten out of ten. It's it's brilliant. I can't yep. think of anything wrong. Go with watch it. it. Go watch it today. Definitely. Uh, it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It's quite long, but I think it's well paced. It's great. Um, it's very well paced there was never a moment where i was bored or thought okay let's get back to this let's get back to the exciting stuff it's all brilliant one thing i was to go back to kind of reviewing for a second actually uh one thing i really liked is that it showed you such a vast array of different worlds but it didn't just use them for like one brief comedic beat each one of these universe you know it showed the importance that these were actual people in their own actual world yeah um, because it kept returning to them. And even though it saw a million like different ones, it's decided to spend time in each one of them. And I think that was a really good point. It kept coming back to them. So I thought that was really nice as well. Um, yeah, even the ones comes that are there for like, comedy, comedic relief, we revisit them and there's emotional weight to them. Like there's yeah, a yeah, universe yeah. where they have hot dogs instead of fingers. And it's clear that that's, you know, it first pops up and you're like, oh, that's funny, haha. But then you get back to that universe and it has like emotional weight to it and it gets emotional in that universe. And you're like, why Why am I feeling emotional about these women with hot dogs for fingers? <laughs> One of the most yeah, insane yeah, exactly. looking things that you'll see on the cinema screen. And yet it, it feels so like emotionally weighted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um Man of the Match is a really difficult one here, I think. Because yeah, it's I did so wonderfully written and directed. The cinematography is beautiful. Larkin Cycle, who does the cinematography, I believe worked uh, on Swiss Army Man with Daniels as well. Um, I, I will say, we when, you know, while you have to pick direction or directing or writing or whatever, uh, Daniels count as one. You know, you, you, don't, yeah. you don't have to pick between the work of Dan Kwan or Dan <laughs> China, but... Um, yeah, it's a really tough one because there's some really good performances. I think, you know, so Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing. I think Michelle Leo is amazing. I think that, that Daniel's it's written and yeah. directed wonderfully. Uh, you can really tell the producing from Joe and Anthony Russo on this book. <laughs> when, it, uh, when that popped up at the end, I was like, what? Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> and um, one thing as well, before we quickly do this, to briefly nip back to reviewing again, because um, I'm just looking at all the people involved. One thing that I thought was fantastic was the editing. This is edited so well. To say that they have to deal with so much happening, um, it's edited so cohesively and so well that it really, really wonderful. works. Editing is fantastic. Uh, so shout out to Paul Rogers, although, Paul, you are not my man of the match. I'm sorry. Probably not far off, actually. Um, my man of the match is going to be Michelle Yeoh. Uh, yeah. I think the film really works around her, her range. Uh, I think it's quite an un-Michelle Yeoh character in a lot of ways, um, you know, based on what she usually is. She's, I think, um, you know, far more, say, like, she's she's far more kind of grounded and just kind of every man. And she's, she's kind of the, 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 she's in the dark. She's the kind of the dumb one at points. Um, but she really, really kills it. I mean, she's just wonderful. So, uh, yeah, for me, I, I'm going to give it to Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, that is fair. I am so incredibly torn because literally everyone is fantastic in this. Um, but I do think one of my favourite aspects of it was the cinematography. So I'm going to go with Larkin Saipal, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, yeah. who did the cinematography. It's, it, it's excellent. It shot so well. And like I said, I love how um, they treat the aspect ratios with such significance and they really impact the, the story and reflect what's happening on the story and on the screen as well. Very nice, very nice. Um, what's releasing over the next week? Do we know? I have no idea. Let me let me quickly grab my mobile. I think this is too we're too early for Top Gun Maverick. I think they come. That's taking another week. I think. Yeah. 
I th- it's been very much the same five films in the cinema for the last like, month, it feels yeah. like. The Lost City, uh, Fantastic oh, wait, no. Beasts. Oh, no, it is. Never mind. I made a mistake. Dark Nabby, Sonic Hedgehog's been there for ages. Yeah, there's nothing th- interesting coming out apart from uh, Top Gun. No, what about indie cinemas? Indie cinemas, let's check indie cinemas. I know that the film that won the Golden Lion at Venice is playing um, Odeon next week as well. Or the weekend. Happening. Happening, yeah. Yeah, It's been shown for a while, actually. Not not at mine, unfortunately. Yeah. Benediction. Uh, Well, Benediction, that's true. We might might do Benediction. Or maybe we'll find a classic film to to, to watch. Maybe we'll find a classic film to do. Okay, well, let's wrap this up under an hour, because that would be fucking cool to do that. That would be cool. Especially for a film which is so massive and so long and so loved. Um, okay. And it lives up to well, the hope, everyone. Go and see it. Go see it. Go see it. It's great. Might come back to saying it's one of the best films, if not the best film of the year, by the end yeah. of the year. We'll it is see. the best film of the year so far, according to me. Uh, I'll have to think about that, but it definitely will be up there. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you want to follow uh, us on Twitter, you can do so at Now Showing Pod and us two individually at Sam H Media and Lewis JWR and on Letterboxd at Sam Houston and uh, LJWR. You could uh, you can't find Margot Robbie anymore though because she's been she's been kicked no. off the app. So um, <laughs> we've got we've got no Margot Robbie to to, to plug. Um, if uh, you're a big fan of the podcast, uh, you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts, sorry, um, and, uh, and and tell your friends. You can pod- contact the podcast directly at nowshowpod at gmail.com if you have any queries. Uh, and we are proud to be members of the Mute City Driving Network. You can find them on their website or on their website. Uh, or on Twitter at MCDIPod for a whole host of podcasts, articles, uh, and more about the likes of movies, music, and sport. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.